Chapter Two, Part Two of Victorian Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Victorian Literature by Clement Shorter. Chapter Two: The Novelists, Part Two. Henry Kingsley, eighteen thirty to eighteen seventy-six, a younger brother of Charles, wrote many novels and romances three of them memorable geoffrey hamlin is popular as the best novel of australian life to australia he had gone to make his fortune at the diggings he did not make a fortune but joined the colonial mounted police instead compelled by his office to attend an execution he threw up the post in disgust and returned to england to find his brother installed as vicar of eversley and on the high road to fame Little wonder that he attempted to emulate him, and he succeeded. Never, surely, has literature produced two brothers so remarkable and at the same time so different. Both gave us energetic heroes and loved manliness. In Charles Kingsley, however, the novelist was always largely subordinated to the preacher. In Henry there was nothing of the preacher whatever. Geoffrey Hamlin, Ravenshow, and the Hilliars and the Burtons are all forcible, effective works, and they have secured generous praise and appreciation from many a literary colleague. But Henry was a bit of a never-do-well, and so his personality has been carefully screened from the public. His name is not even mentioned in Charles Kingsley's biography. Sir Edwin Arnold, however, who knew him at Oxford, and Mrs. Thackeray Ritchie, who knew him towards the end of his life, testify to certain delightful qualities of mind and heart which peculiarly appealed to them a writer not less successful than charles kingsley but in no way comparable as a man was edward buller lytton eighteen o three to eighteen seventy three baron lytton who was born in london and created no small sensation in eighteen twenty eight by the publication of pelham this was followed by a long list of novels of infinite variety. Some dealt with the preternatural, like Zanoni, and others with history, psychology, and ethics. Of these, the most popular were doubtless the historical Harold, Rienzi, The Last of the Barons, and The Last Days of Pompeii, which still hold their own with the younger generation. The thoughtful men of today do not, however, read the Caxtons as they did in the sixties and seventies. Lytton was one of the cleverest men of his age, using the word in no friendly sense. He was a clever novelist, a clever dramatist. His comedy of money and his tragedies Richelieu and the Lady of Lyons still hold the stage, and a clever parliamentary debater. Another writer with higher claims to consideration than those of literature was Benjamin Disraeli, eighteen o four to eighteen eighty one, Earl of Beaconsfield. Disraeli entered life under conditions peculiarly favorable to a successful literary career. His father, Isaac Disraeli, was an enthusiastic bookworm, whose curiosities of literature and other books an inexhaustible mine of anecdote on the quarrels and calamities of authors the young disraeli wrote vivian cray in eighteen twenty seven following this very successful effort with the young duke venetia henrietta temple and other novels 
In 1837 he was returned to Parliament as member of Maidstone. His career as an orator and statesman does not concern us here. Suffice to say that of his many later novels, Coningsby, Tangret, and Sibyl are by far the ablest and most brilliant, and that Sibyl was an effective exposure of many abuses in the relations of capital to labour. In addition to his work as a novelist, Lord Beaconsfield wrote an able biography of his friend and colleague, Lord George Bentinck. One of the most successful of the great novelists of the reign was Charles Reed, 1814-1884, who first became famous by Pack Woffington in 1852. The Cloister and the Hearth was published in 1861, and Griffith Gaunt in 1866. Several of his later novels were written with a purpose. In Hard Cash he drew attention to the abuses of private lunatic asylums. In Foul Play he aroused public interest in the iniquities of shipknackers. In Put Yourself in His Place he attacked trades unions, and in Never Too Late to Mend he exposed some of the abuses of our prison system as it existed at that time. Reed was also an industrious dramatist. Masks and Faces and Drink among his most popular plays of all his books the cloister and the hearth is the best and also the most widely read it has for its hero the father of erasmus those who in days to come will want to know what provincial life was really like in england in early victorian times will inquire for the novels of anthony trollope eighteen fifteen to eighteen eighty two barchester towers framley parsonage and dr thorne are the most popular of a series of tales, in all of which the country life of England, its clergy and squire Archie, are portrayed. Trollope wrote on many subjects. His Life of Cicero secured the commendation of Professor Freeman, and his biography of Thackeray, though all too slight, is the best book about the author of Vanity Fair that has so far been given us. Another novelist of about equal status with Trollope in mid-Victorian fiction is George John White Melville, 1821-1878. to Major White Melville is the novelist of all lovers of the hunting field, and strangely enough he fell a victim to the very sport which he had done so much to picture. He was killed by a fall from his horse. White Melville's hunting novels include Cater Felto and Black but Conley. He also wrote historical novels, of which The Queen's Marys and The Gladiators were the most popular, and he had a pretty gift of verse. Literature has rarely produced a more picturesque figure than Robert Louis Stevenson, 1850-1894. The son of a famous Scottish engineer, he was destined, like his great countryman Sir Walter Scott, for a writership to the signet. He took, however, to literature instead and died at forty-four in Samoa, where he had gone for his health, after a remarkable literary achievement. With a style not always rigidly grammatical, but always impressive and distinguished, he shone in many branches of literary work. He wrote travel pictures like With a Donkey in the Savants, which were incomparably superior to those of any contemporary. His plays, written in collaboration with Mr. W. E. Henley, had a power of their own, and one of them, Bo Austin, although not accepted by the public, 
is probably the greatest contribution to the drama of the era as a critic of life and of books stevenson has also an honourable place i know of no better treatment of the one than virginibus puerisque or of the other than some aspects of robert burns he has given abundant pleasure to children by a child's garden of verses and in underwoods he has scarcely less successfully appealed to their elders it is as a novelist however that stevenson fills the largest place he is the inheritor of the traditions of scott with the world pain of his own epoch superadded men and boys alike have found treasure island absorbing while men have also pondered over the wildly different powers which are displayed in the new arabian nights and the master of ballantrae prince otto and st ives dr jekyll and mr hyde is a parable which has thrilled us all stevenson delighted to call mr george meredith his master and the two men were friends of years george meredith eighteen twenty eight to nineteen o nine began his literary career in eighteen fifty one with a volume of poems one of which love in a valley is still an unqualified joy to all who read it mr meredith has published several volumes of poems since then and all of them have their loyal admirers but it is as a novelist that the world at large praises him his concentrated thought and vivid passion have gained for him the title of the browning of novelists each of his books in turn has had its ardent partisans among cultivated and thoughtful readers the shaving of shagpat appeared in eighteen fifty six and farina in eighteen fifty seven the ordeal of richard feverell which appeared in eighteen fifty nine is by many considered meredith's best novel it treats with subtle humour and profound philosophical insight of the problem of a youth's education and is full of truth to life feverell was followed by even harrington eighteen sixty one while rhoda fleming eighteen sixty five the adventures of harry richmond eighteen seventy one Beauchamp's career eighteen seventy six the egoist eighteen seventy nine the tragic comedians eighteen eighty one and diana of the crossways eighteen eighty five have each of them abundance of readers merely to enumerate george meredith's novels is to call to the memory of all who have read them a widening of mental and moral vision the rich vein of poetry running through the books their humour and imagination placed their author in the very front rank of english novelists i should never forgive myself said robert louis stevenson if i forgot the egoist which of all the novels i have read and i have read thousands stands in a place by itself i have read the egoist five or six times and i mean to read it again others have spoken with equal enthusiasm of sandra belloni with its sweet singer amelia others of beauchamp's career with its aristocratic radical now generally understood to have been intended for admiral maxwell mr meredith dedicated this volume of poems of eighteen fifty one to thomas love peacock seventeen eighty five to eighteen sixty six who perhaps more than any other writer influenced his own style peacock was born at weymouth and he was mainly self-educated in eighteen o four and eighteen o six he published two small volumes of poetry the monks of st mark and palmyra 
in eighteen twelve he became acquainted with shelley and the two were intimate at great marlow where peacock lived in eighteen fifteen and later peacock's novels headlong hall eighteen sixteen to eighteen seventeen Mellencourt, eighteen seventeen and nightmare abbey eighteen eighteen which have been two or three times reprinted within the last five or six years gained no commensurate attention on their appearance although one of them was translated into french in eighteen nineteen peacock became a clerk in the india house and married a welsh girl chaincrith maid marian appeared in eighteen twenty two crotted castle in eighteen thirty one and in eighteen thirty seven paper money lyrics and other poems all the novels i have named and they are his most famous belong to the pre-victorian period but Quill Grange, his last novel, was published in 1861. Peacock is interesting as a novelist and for his relations with other famous men. He was, as I have said, the friend of Shelley, and he was the father-in-law of Mr. George Meredith. Added to this he succeeded James Mill's post at the Indian House, and vacated it for James Mill's son, John Stuart Mill. To R. L. Stevenson we undoubtedly owe much of the impulse to the modern romantic movement, which adds every day an historical novel or a story of adventure to our libraries. It has given us Stanley Wayman, Q. A. T. Quiller Couch, Anthony Hope, Max Pemberton, and Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Another Scotsman, George MacDonald, 1824-1905, to whose Robert Falconer, david elgenbrod and alec forbes of hoaglen have charmed nearly a generation had less influence than might have been thought upon the younger scottish writers who have made scottish scenes and scottish dialect so marked an element in many popular works james matthew berry for example had written a window in thrums before he had read one of dr macdonald's books mr berry was probably influenced however by john geld seventeen seventy nine to eighteen fifty nine whose ayrshire legatees and annals of the parish were written before the queen began to reign a writer whose most striking book was published sufficiently long ago to justify its inclusion here was joseph henry shorthouse eighteen thirty four to nineteen o three his john inglesand gained for him a reputation which his Sir Percival did not sustain. Mr. Shorthouse has written nothing since John Inglesant, so beautiful as his little schoolmaster Mark, a singularly poetical conception of abnormal childhood. The best stories for children have been written by Lewis Carroll, 1833-1898. to This is the pseudonym of the Reverend Charles Ledwich Dodgson, a lecturer on mathematics at Christ Church, Oxford, and the author of several mathematical textbooks. In Euclid and his modern rivals, and A Tangled Tale, Mr. Dodgson has succeeded in combining his taste for science with a rich humour, but his fame rests upon his remarkable fairy stories, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, published in 1865, and its sequel, Through the Looking Glass, which appeared in 1872. Men and Women, quite as much as little children have found pleasure and entertainment in these happy efforts of a genius as individual as anything our age has produced i have purposely all but ignored many writers of fiction 
who are still actively engaged in literary pursuits daily journals bring their achievements sufficiently to the front but literary workers owe so much to the untiring zeal of sir walter besant born in eighteen thirty eight in their behalf that at the risk of inconsistency i mention his all sorts and conditions of men a story which not only sold by thousands but had a practical influence such as is rarely given to poet or novelist to achieve the writer dreams of a wealthy heiress devoting her time and money to purifying and elevating the east end of london she builds a palace of delight and devotes it to the service of the people in may eighteen eighty seven the dream was realized for the queen opened just such a palace for the people in the mile end road how far this institution the outcome of a novelist's imagination and the generous subscriptions of philanthropists has achieved the regeneration of the london poor history has yet to record sir walter besant wrote at an earlier period twelve novels in conjunction with james rice eighteen forty three to eighteen eighty two a collaborator of singular humour and imagination of the books written conjointly ready money morty boy and the golden butterfly are the most popular passing from the acknowledged masters in imaginative literature one turns to a crowd of popular and interesting writers who have charmed and delighted multitudes of readers foremost among these are lever and marriott charles lever eighteen o six to eighteen seventy two was for some time editor of the dublin university magazine but his irish stories charles o'malley and harry lorica are his chief title to fame that the rollicking humour of these books still commands attention is proved by a recent luxurious reissue of them another irishman who won the affections of irishmen as lever won the laughter was william carlton seventeen ninety eight to eighteen sixty nine who was born at brillisk county tyrone he was the youngest of fourteen children his equal knowledge of irish and english gave him an intimacy with the folklore and fairy tales which make up so large a part in the lives of the poorer among his countrymen and traits and stories of the irish peasantry eighteen thirty three and tales of ireland eighteen thirty four were the result his romance fadoroga de miser appeared in eighteen thirty nine and he treated in eighteen forty seven of the horrors of the irish famine in his black prophet carlton has for many years ceased to be read in england but he shares in the revived interest in irish literature which has taken the place of interest in irish politics joseph sheridan le fanu eighteen fourteen to eighteen seventy three also made a great success with uncle silas eighteen sixty four and in a class darkly eighteen seventy two frederick marriott seventeen ninety two to eighteen forty eight ran away to sea several times before his father a member of parliament of great wealth consented to his being a sailor he was a successful and popular naval officer before he was twenty-one he was thirty-seven years of age when he wrote his first novel frank mildmay the success of which led him to adopt literature as the profession of his later life of his many novels of which mr midshipman easy and peter simple are perhaps the best several appeared in the metropolitan magazine which marriott edited for four years 
not only is marriott the most delightful of writers for boys but it is interesting to note that both carlyle and ruskin during long terms of illness solaced themselves with his wonderful sea stories a writer who gave much healthy pleasure to schoolboys was william henry Charles kingston eighteen fourteen to eighteen eighty who left behind him one hundred and twenty-five stories of the sea another writer for boys william harrison ainsworth eighteen o five to eighteen eighty two was the son of a manchester solicitor the majority of his thirty novels treat of historical themes the best of them old st paul's the tower of london and rookwood have been translated into most modern languages scarcely less popular for a time was g p r james eighteen o one to eighteen sixty who also dealt freely with history thackeray burlesqued james so skilfully that he has already become a tradition he was british consul in virginia and afterwards at venice where he died living english novelists of well-deserved popularity are mr hardy mr black and mr blackmore thomas hardy born in eighteen forty made his earlier fame by far from the madding crowd eighteen seventy four he made his later popularity by tess of the d'urbervilles eighteen ninety two between these books came two stories greater than either the return of the native eighteen seventy eight and the woodlanders eighteen eighty seven one must read those books to appreciate how very great a novelist mr hardy is how full of poetry and of insight the dorsetshire landscape which under the guise of wessex he has made so familiar will be classic ground for many a day to all lovers of good literature although william black born in eighteen forty one who was born in glasgow has written numerous stories about the west highlands of scotland he has no affinity whatever to the new scotch school he made his first appearance as a novelist in eighteen sixty seven with love or marriage and almost every year since he has published a story over thirty novels now bearing his name black has recognized the value of the picturesque background afforded by west highland scenery with its accompanying incidents in the outer life of the deer stalker and angler he has given us some real characterization in a daughter of heth eighteen seventy one in madcap violet eighteen seventy six while macleod of dare eighteen seventy eight is perhaps the best thing he has written richard doddridge blackmore born in eighteen twenty five has written many interesting novels but it has been his perverse fate to live by only one of them lorna doone was published in eighteen sixty nine and although received coldly at first finally achieved great popularity and visits to the lorna doone country as that part of devonshire is called make part of the travelled education of every literary american as a master of rustic comedy he stands unexcelled in our day and the merits of certain other novels the maid of skur christobel and grips the carrier may some day become more fully recognized not less popular than the novelist of locality for this description may surely be applied to mr hardy and two other writers i have named is the novelist of sensation william wilkie collins eighteen twenty four to eighteen eighty nine was the most prominent exponent of that school 
the woman in white which appeared in eighteen sixty in all the year round took the town by storm but count fosco would be pronounced a tiresome villain to-day with the moonstone and the new magdalene wilkie collins secured almost equal success although it has been affirmed that the new wilkie collins that is to say a novelist of pure sensation might even now have a great vogue it is quite certain that the actual wilkie collins has lost the greater part of his another novelist who presents himself as little more than a name to the present generation is samuel warren eighteen o seven to eighteen seventy seven he was a doctor and like his homotype mr conan doyle half a century later studied medicine at the university of edinburgh his passages from the diary of a late physician began in blackwood's magazine in eighteen thirty and was well received but a still greater success attended his ten thousand a year which appeared first in the same periodical time has dealt unkindly with samuel warren it is yet to be seen how time will deal with another popular favourite mrs henry wood eighteen twenty to eighteen eighty seven who was born in worcestershire and made the city of worcester the centre of many of her stories the channings and mrs halliburton's troubles are her best novels and they have had a well-deserved popularity for mrs wood has splendid faculty for telling a story her even more popular novel east lynne will probably survive for many a year as a stage play next to charlotte Bronte and george eliot the most distinguished woman novelist of the era is mrs gaskell eighteen ten to eighteen sixty five who as elizabeth Gleghorn stevenson married william gaskell a unitarian minister of manchester mrs gaskell's first literary success was mary barton the story of a manchester factory girl ruth north and south and sylvia's lovers were equally successful but the two books which are certain to secure immortality to their author are cranford eighteen fifty three and the life of charlotte Bronte, eighteen fifty seven cranford is an idyll of village life which is sure to charm many generations of readers and not a few artists have delighted to illustrate its quaint and fascinating character studies cranford has been identified with nutsford in cheshire mrs gaskell's biography of her friend charlotte Bronte has probably had a larger sale than any other biography in our literature many causes contributed to this the popularity of the Bronte novels the exceptionally romantic and pathetic life of their authors mrs gaskell's own fame as a writer of fiction and the literary skill with which she treated the material at her command other women writers who have had a large measure of fame and are now well nigh forgotten are mrs marsh seventeen ninety one to eighteen seventy four who wrote the admiral's daughter and the deformed mrs crow eighteen hundred to eighteen seventy six who wrote susan hopley and the night side of nature mrs archer clive eighteen o one to eighteen seventy three who wrote paul ferrell lady Georgiana fullerton eighteen twelve to eighteen eighty five the author of anne sherwood mrs stretton eighteen twelve to eighteen seventy eight who wrote the valley of a hundred fires all these are now little more than names to us but not so anne manning eighteen hundred to eighteen seventy nine whose maiden and married life of mary powell will long continue to be read 
it is an effective presentation of milton and his first wife mrs norton eighteen o eight to eighteen seventy seven the byron of poetesses as lockhart described her wrote several novels steward of dunleith and lost and saved being perhaps the best known in their time but she lives now mainly in george meredith's diana of the crossways dinah mullock eighteen twenty six to eighteen eighty seven mrs craig may still be ranked among our most popular novelists although her best and most successful book john halifax gentleman was published in eighteen fifty seven the memory of julia cavanaugh eighteen twenty four to eighteen seventy seven although her madeleine was enthusiastically greeted on its appearance has all but faded away miss cavanaugh's woman in france in the eighteenth century english women of letters and french women of letters were handsomely got up books and are still to be found in many old-fashioned libraries two of the most popular writers for children were a l o e and mrs ewing a l o e or a lady of england was the pseudonym of charlotte maria tucker eighteen twenty one to eighteen ninety three who after many years of successful literary labour went out to india for the church missionary society at the age of fifty-four miss tucker's most popular stories were bride and his pursuers exiles in babylon house beautiful and cyril ashley scarcely less popular was mrs ewing eighteen forty one to eighteen eighty four whose mother mrs getty edited aunt judy's magazine it was in this magazine that mrs ewing's remembrances of mrs over the way made their appearance another writer of great popularity mrs charles eighteen twenty eight to eighteen ninety six secured an immense success with the schoenberg cotter family kitty trevelyan's diary and other books of a semi-religious semi-historical tendency it is a natural association not derived from similarity of name to mention maria louisa charlesworth eighteen nineteen to eighteen eighty at the same time because miss charlesworth's ministering children had an enormous success with the religious public of england the public which supports missionary societies and sunday schools i might easily devote many pages to the living women novelists who have impressed themselves upon the era but that scarcely comes within the scope of this little book there are to name but a few mrs lynn linton mrs humphrey ward Ouida, miss Braddon, miss mary corelli miss olive schreiner miss rhoda broughton edna lyle lucas mallott miss charlotte young miss adeline sergeant mrs mccoyte mrs alexander mrs w k clifford names which recall the thousands of readers many familiar books and some of the happiest hours they have ever spent with the name of mrs oliphant eighteen twenty eight to eighteen ninety seven who has recently died i may fitly close this survey of victorian fiction mrs oliphant struck the note of the era alike in her versatility and in her lack of thoroughness she was so versatile that she once offered to write a whole number of blackwood's magazine a publication to which she was for years a valued contributor and she would have done it with fair effectiveness that she wrote good fiction is now generally acknowledged she wrote also biography criticism and every form of prose 
her makers of florence has been a popular history it treats of dante giotto and savonarola as her life of edward irving has been a popular biography she wrote many other books apart from her fiction a history of eighteenth-century literature a memoir of principal tullock biographies of cervantes and moliere and a volume on dress but she was not a good critic nor was she a very accurate student it is upon her novels that her fame will have to rest salem chapel a skilful delineation of a minister and his congregation has been compared to george eliot's silas manor passages in the life of margaret maitland eighteen forty nine was her first novel and the ladies walk eighteen ninety seven her last and in the intervening years she probably wrote sixty or seventy stories each of them containing indications of a genius which with more concentration would have given her an enduring place in english fiction End of chapter two part two recording by Julia Niedermeyer